My title of my talk or seminar was Off the Sidelines Into the Fight, Realising What You Have to Offer. And, you know, in this season more than ever, you might think that you don't have much to offer. But I want to start this session by saying this. You have so much to offer. And hopefully by the end of this hour, you will have loads and loads of things in your mind thinking, yes, I do have loads of things to offer. And I'm super excited and super pumped. So uh, if you know me at all, I'm a little bit about like Tigger. I get people super pumped and super excited. Uh, we will look at the Bible. We'll do lots of different things. But I am really excited to talk to you. So first of all, there's a bit of participation. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about the relationships in your life. I want you to think about those relationships and the things that you offer to those people through those relationships. So things that you can't really put a price tag on. Maybe your time, your energy, your support. And I want you to think about what do you get in return when you give these things to people? It seems like a, a weird thing to start with, but bear with me. You see, for me, I, when I think about the people in my life, I start with who lives in my house. That'd be my wife, Bridget, my two little boys, Doug and Huck, and our unborn baby in Bridget's belly. Then I think about maybe uh, my neighbours who are connected to me. So I've got um, two on this side and I've got two on that side. And then I think about maybe the church leadership team, because that's who I work with. So that'd be like Leon, that'd be Andy, Hannah, Harvey, uh, Dan, all those guys that you see at the church. That's who I immediately work with. Then I think about my, my friends who uh, sort of live a little bit further away. And I think about what do I do to offer? What can I do to help them? What, what are my talents? What's my personality? So my talents are, if you, if you don't know, I'm really good at cooking. Uh, I'm really good at being pastoral, which means I'm good at listening to people. I'm good at talking to people. If you didn't get it, I love to talk. Uh, I'm not super practical, but I am practical with my time. So I would give my time freely to help people. And I have a gift called hospitality. Now, if you don't know what hospitality is, it basically means I can host a damn good party. And uh, do you remember those days where you could go to a party? I can host a really good party and I can make people feel welcome. Well, what does it do to me? It makes me feel happy when I do all these things. It makes me feel joyous, content and fulfilled. You know, we all have things to offer. And I want to ask you today, what is yours? What's your talent? What's your personality? What's the knowledge that you have? You see, it reminds me of a story in the Bible because I'm imagining right now you're going, I don't know, nothing. And there's a story in the Bible found in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, which is a book in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. And it reads like this, says the wife of a man from a company of prophets or guys who work for a church or a temple cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys away and make them his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said. Nothing, Elijah replied. Well, except a little jar of olive oil. Elijah said, right, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars and pots and pans. Don't just ask for a few. Get as many as you can, even some buckets. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour all the oil into the jars, the buckets and the pans. And then as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, shut the door behind him and her sons. They brought the jars and the buckets and all the pans and they started pouring. When all the jars and the pans and all these vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. 
But he replied to her, there is no jars or vessels left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, Elisha, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons can live on what is left. Now, you might be sat there today thinking, what the heck has that got to do with me here in 2021 in lockdown in the West Midlands? What is that all about? But I want to explain to you that this lady is often like us. You see, what do you have? I asked you this question at the start. What do you have to offer? You see, the woman in the story comes to the prophet because she wants something. And his, his response is like, well, what do you actually have? And why would he ask that question? Why would Elisha press her on this matter? Because to me, it seems pretty insensitive. I mean, the poor woman, her husband has died. She's in debt as a result of her husband. And now the, as a result of her debt, some bloke's going to come away and not just you can't pay, we're going to take it away. He's going to can't pay and take her kids away and make her kids slaves. It seems pretty harsh. I mean, she is lacking. She's desperate here. And her response is really similar to many of us. Is like, I've got nothing, like nothing. And he's like, nothing? Like really nothing? And then she's like, okay, well, I got a little olive oil. I got this little olive oil sat in the back of my cupboard from Aldi that I haven't used. But here's the thing. You see, in order for God to break the poverty in her bank account and in her house, he had to first break the poverty in her spirit. Before God could do a great miracle in her house, he had to do the great miracle in her. Before God does something for you, he often does a great work in you in order for him to do a great work through you. You see, let me say that again. Before God does something for you, he has to do a great work in you in order for you to do something, in order for him to do something through you. He says, where's your mentality? Where, where's your perspective? Is it heavenly? Is it above with me or is it kind of down below in the earth? Where was your mindset? Is it a mindset of lack, like, oh, I, I can't do this, a defeatist? Or is it a victory mindset of like, actually, yeah, we can do this through God. You see, God wants to do a great work for you, but often he will only do it with you because he wants you to gain and learn from it. See, God wants to do for you, but he will only do it with you in divine participation. That means with God's participation, not on our own strength, but in his strength. He wants you to participate in order for you to grow, in order for you to gain, in order for you to get more. If you can't tell what I'm talking about here, I'm saying God wants to give you something more today. But first of all, you need to give him something. And that something is your talent. God wants to see, uh, wants you to see what is possible, not what is lacking. And that's actually the challenge that we face in our life today. You see, you have to give God something to work with. We often compare to God to a master craftsman. But if you know anything about craftsmen, they have a raw material to start off with, to work with. So like a woodworker, he has uh, something like a uh, piece of wood and he would turn that and make it into a beautiful table. And God wants to take us in our raw state and make it something more. So here's my first question for you right now. What do you have? What do you have? And you might say, not a lot, not enough. Give God your not enough. You see, what do you have? What, what, what have you have? And, and she said, I've got a little olive oil. That can be like us. Oh, uh, you know, I, I guess I got a little faith. <laughs> I'm okay at art. I'm okay at like science. I'm good at maths. I'm good at speaking. I'm good at like <laughs> film. Guys, be confident in who you are and what you've got. See, you have to recognise what you have in your hands to allow God to work with it. 
It wasn't enough what she had. And maybe what you have isn't enough right now. It might not be enough to give you what you exactly want or what you need, but that's okay because you give God what you have because he will use it and make it enough. What you have right now isn't enough. So give God your not enough. Often we focus on the wrong thing. Like she was so focused on what she'd lost, what she didn't have, that she didn't recognize actually what she had left. You know, I like to think of it this way. What she had lost, that was really, really painful. And no one's going to argue that. But what she had left, you see, that was powerful. And you may feel like right now in lockdown 2021 in your bedroom or wherever you are, you're in a season of lack. You're in season of pain or you might just feel like you're not good enough. But what you have, see, that's powerful. And we need to give that to God. It wasn't enough what she had. She didn't have enough to feed her family, pay the debts or secure a future for her sons. But it was enough to start the process of pouring. You see, when I left school, I didn't really have many GCSEs. I was rubbish at spelling. You could call that dyslexia. I had a short attention span and I had something called lazyitis. In other words, I was pretty lazy. I couldn't be bothered. And so the chances of me getting a degree were pretty slim. I mean, I couldn't even be bothered with drama college when I went there. And that is pretty much talking, dancing, singing and acting. That's what I love to do. I can't even be bothered with that. But, you know, God, here's the thing. I gave God my not enough. And you know what? I got a degree <laughs> and now I'm an ordained minister. And 12 years ago, I was getting in trouble with the police causing mayhem. And, and I'm thinking I have I'm not enough, but I gave God my not enough and he changed it to more than enough. So I want to say to you today, give God your not enough. You know, that's why. Uh, that's why Elisha said to her to keep pouring, because God changed the not enough to more than enough. All Elisha said to the lady was, right, OK, keep pouring, keep pouring until you've got nothing else to pour into. And you see, I want to encourage you today to say this. You've got to keep pouring. God will keep providing. All you've got to do is keep pouring out and God will keep providing for you. You've just got to make room for him in your life for, in, for him to be able to do the thing that you need to do. Now, here's the thing before we finish this part. If you read your Bible for five minutes a day, I would commend you for that. If you read it for an hour, flipping heck, you're better than me. If you read it for, if you read the whole Bible in a week, wow. But you could read the whole Bible in a week. And let me tell you, it is not enough. Why? Because there is this person that we don't often talk about, but I'm going to mention him briefly, the devil. And he's a lot, often a little voice in our, in our heart and our head. And he'll say, that's not enough. And you know, I just read the whole book of Matthew in an hour and he's like yeah but you didn't do it in greek in the original intended language and you're like well i've I prayed for like half an hour today I, and I've, I've done my hyundai shundais i've done all this stuff and i've prayed for miracles and he's like yeah but do you know what you didn't fast did you you didn't do this and there's always someone going to tell you going to condemn you and say you're not enough you're not good enough you're not doing enough but you know what that's okay because we give god i'm not enough and he makes that more than enough He's a God of more. So the first part of my seminar today, it's, a, it's, it, it's never enough, but it makes you more than enough. What do you have to offer? You see, everyone has something that the people immediately around them will benefit from. When you share your blank, whatever that is, with others, you make their world richer. You lose nothing, but everybody gains something. So as we go into our first breakout room in a moment, I want you to process this stuff with your leader if you don't know what your talent is you don't know what your gifting is that's okay because we can figure that out 
with you. We can help you figure that out. You don't need to be thinking, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. What can you do? You know, my wife, she can't really cook, but I tell you one thing she does. She's a flipping good baker. She makes these amazing cookies. And when she makes them, it makes her feel happy because she's achieved. And when I eat them, it makes me feel happy. And when we share them with our friends, it makes us all feel happy. So what is your talent? What is your gifting? Who are you? So hopefully by now you all know what your talent, your gifting is. Now, I'm only joking. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer than that. And that is totally okay. But here's a question or here's a statement that you will have heard of before. To be or not to be? That is the real question. You see, William Shakespeare wrote that when he wrote Hamlet. But, you know, who you are and who you want to be depend on yourself. That's what someone once told me. But actually, I think it's more about our choices and our habit that actually dictate this. You see, if we want to be intentional with how we connect with the people around us, we need to be aware of what the people around us actually need. The most minor action can create major changes so you might be sat there thinking yeah but i can only do this small thing let me say it can have a catalytic change in the future small actions are not insignificant i actually love it when things happen out of the ordinary like moments that are like immeasurably more so there's this verse in the bible ephesians 3 20 that sort of talks about this says that god can do it immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine and i don't know about you but you may have had an immeasurably more moment i certainly did a few years ago so a few years ago i had the privilege of going to america for my birthday i literally went out for three days uh, and went to watch an american football game out there it was a crazy situation and then i had to get a flight home and my flight home basically i booked the cheapest flight home so i was like flying from Knoxville to Atlanta, Atlanta to Paris, Paris then to somewhere else and somewhere else to Birmingham. And it was an absolutely crazy amount of journey. And it was like, basically, I could have been sat in cattle class because it was absolutely horrendous. Anyway, I got on board this first flight from, well, the second flight from Atlanta to Paris, which was a really long flight. And um, the guy next to me started pressing the buzzer for the flight attendant. And she came over and she said, what's up? And he said, I, look, I got on board today. Me and my missus, we've been split up. We'd like to be sit, sit, sit together, please. Can you, you split us up on this plane? She said, I'm really sorry, sir. It's fully booked for flight. I can't do anything about it. I'm really, really sorry. So he was like proper narc. Anyway, he kept on asking. And this poor old flight attendant got a bit upset. So in the end, I thought, I'll do a Christian thing. Really nice thing. So I lent in. I said, hey, look, I don't mind swapping if that will help. And she just went, oh, okay. I'll go and ask. So she comes back about 10 minutes later. She's like, yeah, passenger will swap. Can you just follow me, sir? So I get up, get my bags and stuff, and I start walking up the middle of the aisle, and I see this woman walking towards me, and she looks pretty annoyed. Like, she looks really narc to me. And she gives me this evil glare, and I think, oh, what have I done here? And I keep walking, and I get to the end of the cabin, and I start walking through the next cabin. Now I'm in premium economy, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, here we go. And then we walk to the end of that, and I'm thinking, hang on one minute. We get to business class, and then she says, here's your seat. And I get to sit in business class the whole way back to Birmingham, basically. And they gave me, like, free champagne, and there was, like, free all these meals. It was on actual plates. It was amazing. And all of this became because I'd said I'd swap. I gave this one major change and a, a minor change and a major thing happened for me. But, you know, when the Bible talks about immeasurably more, it doesn't talk about flight upgrades. The Apostle Paul, like I've just said, he writes this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is worked within us, to him be the glory um, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, you see, Paul wasn't writing about what I've just said. 
But actually, he was talking about something higher, something greater than any of those things. This immeasurably more isn't for the elite. So I just want to put it there. It isn't for the best. It's for all of us. So no matter who you are, you can have immeasurably more. And it's actually a difficult thing for us to sometimes get our heads around. You see, when it comes to Jesus, there is always more and he wants to give us more and always wants to blow our minds. I love how the Passion Translation puts it. They say this, never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. I love that. You know, I've got just under 10 minutes to talk with you now, and I want to make three or four quick points. So the first one is this, get to know God. If you don't know God for yourself or you're kind of not in a relationship deep with him, and that means if you don't spend time with him, then can I encourage you to do that? You see, get to know God, because that's this, guys, is what this whole thing about. This whole thing of faith in Jesus is about. It's, a, it's not fairy tales. It's not Harry Potter. He did die on the cross. He did perform mighty miracles, and he does love you he loves you so much so get to know him you know the bible is full of stories of god doing immeasurably more with small and unbecoming things genesis is about how he built the world from nothing it says that he breathed stars he made a woman out of a single rib of a man he used people's lives that were uh, like moses he was an immigrant a murderer and a liar and he fled and he had a stutter and he used this guy to free a nation he used a shepherd boy called David to defeat a giant, defeat an army and become Israel's greatest uh, his historical kingdom, uh, king in, in their history. So to get to know God, you have may have been in church your whole life. You may have only been coming a short time to youth and you may never have prayed. You might have prayed every day or read your Bible. Let me say this to you guys. Just get to know God because verse 20 reminds us this, that he is able to do immeasurably more. And if you want to know about how his power can help that, then all you need to do is read the Bible. It's full of stories, how Jesus changes situations, how he gave out far more than anybody could imagine. If you don't know who God is, then maybe ask one of your leaders. Maybe ask someone and find out who Jesus is. You know, he for me, he's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the first, the last. He's everything. He's the rock upon who I stand. And I know this because I asked, I explored. And because I experienced and I want to encourage you to do the same. Don't just listen to me and take what I say as a truth. Go and experience it. Go and ask. Go and go and find out for yourselves who Jesus is for you. My second thing is this dream big. The guy I want to talk about for just a moment is a chap called Joseph. Now, you may have heard of Joseph, you know, but Joseph's name in Hebrew literally means to increase, to give or to level up. Who's heard of Joseph and the Technicolor tracksuit? I'm basing this next five minutes or next two minutes on the story of Joseph. Now, we're not going to read his story because it's found in Genesis 37 to 50. That's 13 chapters. And it is an amazing story. And actually, it's probably my favorite story in the Bible. But I, I could give you 13 reasons why, because Joseph's story is phenomenal. But we're going to read the first eight verses of his life. And it says this, Joseph, a young man of 17. So he was not much older than some of you, maybe younger than some of you. He was tending to his father's flocks with his brothers. Now his father loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in an old age. So he made him this ornate robe. That's the tracksuit that we're talking about. When his brothers saw that, 
that their father loved him more than any of them. They hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Anybody feel like that they have opposition at times? Joseph had a dream. And the more he, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, hey, listen, guys, come here. I had this dream. Say, we were in the field and we were all binding our sheaves of grain, as you do, out in the field. When suddenly my sheave rose up and stood upright and then all your sheaves gathered around and bowed down. And his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you, do you actually think that you will rule over us? And they hated him all the more because his dream of what he said. Now, if you don't know the story of Joseph, here's a spoiler alert. At the end of the story, Joseph has to go through this massive process, but at the end of the story, Joseph becomes the second most powerful person in the whole of the Egyptian empire, which is a massive deal. Because remember, Joseph was just a little 17 year old boy at the beginning of this story with a dream. So the first thing about this is that Joseph had a picture. And, and we need to know that what we're aiming for. See, what, what it is that we're aiming for. You see, Joseph in chapter 37, the first thing he does, he has a dream and he receives it from God. So you need to be connected to God. You know, if you want to grow something, you first need to have a picture of the thing you want to grow. Nothing grows from nothing. We grow things like we and we build things. We develop things because we have something first, a picture, a dream, a destination that we're heading for. Joseph was connected to God and he had a dream. But here's the thing. It wasn't just a dream, but it was a God dream. Joseph had a dream, but the thing is, it wasn't just any old dream. It wasn't even just a good dream, but it was a God dream. And the difference between a good dream and a God dream is this. A God dream is something you can't do in your own strength. A God dream grabs you, it overtakes you, it causes you to change everything for it. A God dream is scary, intimidating, it can't be done without God, and it causes you to run to Jesus. A God dream is contagious, it captures and changes lives, and it's lasting. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., he had a God dream, and he said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. You see, Martin Luther King Jr., he had a God dream and not, uh, that not only changed his generation, but the generation after and the generation after and the generation after. You see, a God dream is something bigger than you. It's something that uses you, but doesn't make it about you. But here's the thing. In order for us to get a dream, uh, for the dream to become a reality, Joseph had to go through a process. And it was the process that led him to the place that he was supposed to be, which was the palace. The first thing on the process was that Joseph had to be connected to God in order to receive the dream. And we can do that. We can connect with God for reading his word, for listening to podcasts, attending youth, church, digging in with him through worship. So my first point is make sure you connect with God. Now, you sat here today and you're thinking, hang on a minute, a God dream. And you're not sure what that is. Let me just say you're going to have an opportunity in a moment when you go into your breakout room to get a God dream if you haven't got one. And I wanna encourage you to dig deep into that. You see, you don't have to imagine because God is the champion of imagination. Did you know he made the heavens and the earth without Pinterest? He didn't have a Pinterest board. He just got on and did it. He is the original imaginator. Make sure you're connected to God. Have you got a God dream? And here's the thing, you need to set your heart. Do you want him above everything else? Your heart is the core to success with God. If your heart is set upon him, then you will succeed with God. Without God, you will become vulnerable to all things. Listen, my story earlier about my degree, I said that I had this dream 20, 20 years ago. Uh, well, I didn't tell you this. 20 years ago, I had this dream. 20, 30 years ago, I had this dream. When I, when I was 10 to become a pastor, 
you know, sometimes I'm 32 now and I've only just been ordained, but sometimes we need to be patient for the more we need because we need to be focused upon him at all times and for his glory and not ours. You see, when we focused on his glory, all of a sudden we get propelled to positions of power that we can't even ask or imagine. There's this amazing verse in Matthew. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and all the other stuff will sort itself out. So set your mind upon things heavenly. When what you look at determines what your heart and mind go to. So when you're online and you're involved in gossip or porn or things that you shouldn't be doing, then your mind isn't on the things it should be. You should be focusing on the things that God wants you to focus on, which is good and whole. There's this uh, word in the original text. It's called periosis, and it means the sense of beyond or super abundant. In other words, God wants to take what you have and make it super abundantly upgraded, like he did with that whether he did this or not, but like the airline did with my, my economy ticket and made it business class. Who doesn't love a flipping upgrade? I love getting an upgrade on my phone uh, and on my contract. I look forward to the upgrade day. I'm like, oh, I'm excited. It's coming. But, you know, God wants to upgrade you. Who's up, who's up for an upgrade today? In the lockdown that we're in and in the lock-in, you can get an upgrade. You see, Paul writes that God can do more than we could ask or imagine according to his power in us. In other words, we need to get, ask him, and, and asking to give him our, our dreams. We need to speak life into these things. Jesus, you know, uses the faith of a little boy to feed more than 5,000 people with only two, uh, with, with only tuna sandwiches, basically. He turns up with two fish and five loaves of bread. And this little boy in the story, he had hardly anything. It was probably just enough for him, let alone 5,000 men. It just talks about the 5,000 men and the women and the children. So you're probably more talking like 15 to 20,000 people. But the little boy had all this faith. He goes to Jesus and says, hey, I reckon you can do something with this. Take my, my not enough and make it more than enough. And do you know what? Jesus produces this extraordinary thing. Because the underdog of a boy gave Jesus all the little that he had. An extraordinary miracle took place. And he gave it back to him. See, there's loads of people in the Bible who have these kind of immeasurably more notes. This guy called Jabez. He's mentioned in one verse in the Bible. It's also one of my favourite verses. 1 Chronicles 4.10. And it says this, but, uh, and he asked God for a dream. It says this, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me and you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. It's a simple prayer. Prayed in faith and serves as a powerful example of an answer prayer and receiving blessing from God. I'm literally about to finish now, before you go into your breakout room. But here's the thing. The more comes in knowing more of Jesus. The more comes from seeking him, from asking him, from pursuing his holiness. I know you don't want to hear this, but it's about the hard work sometimes. It's about reading the Bible, praying, going to church, all these things that test our character. The more is him over everything. I, I love Oliver Twist. Um, if you didn't hear earlier, I went to drama college, so I'm a bit of a drama queen. I love musicals and I love Oliver Twist. And I think that we should get a little bit Oliver Twist today. I think we should ask God for more. Please, God, I want more. Like Oliver Twist, please, sir, I want a little bit more. We need to be prepared for the hard work. We need to know he's given out more freely. And it's easy. Jesus, I want to know you more. Jesus, I want more and more of you. God, I want your immeasurably more in my life. You see, no one is left out. 
He takes R immeasurably less and makes it immeasurably more. Today, we need to start dreaming about what it is God has for us. What are the immeasurably more things he has for us in our streets, our communities, homes, schools, colleges? What it is that he has for you. You see, without his power, we have no fuel and we would give up. But let me say this to you. His Holy Spirit is a real thing and it is like the ultimate Red Bull. It energizes and it keeps us going. It's his spirit, his power that keeps us focused. Three things and then you're going to go in your breakout room. Know God, dream big for God, give it back to God. We may feel like we have immeasurably less, but he changes the immeasurably less into immeasurably more. The end of the verse says, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. In other words, my friends, we must recognise it's not us, but him. It's his power at work in us. And that, that is the key from getting from the sidelines to the front of the fight. And I want to encourage you, to jump off the sidelines and get involved in the fight. So you are going to go into your breakout rooms now. In your breakout rooms, you'll have the opportunity to talk about God dreams, get a God dream, think about your talents further. Guys, I want to encourage you. Today, God wants to give you immeasurably more.